The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Tiatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz. Last Sunday we picked up the story of Jacob and Esau with Isaac now blind. And he's asking Esau, his favorite son, to prepare for him a tasty meal of wild game. Now Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I've overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may bring and may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you the blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? He, I would appear to be making, or to, I would appear to be tricking him, and uh, would bring down a curse on myself, rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, "My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me." So he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked. Then Rebekah took the best of Esau's clothes, her older son, and that she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goatskins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so that I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him, and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy, like those of his brother Esau. And so he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of the game to eat, so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate. And he brought some wine and he drank. And his father said to him, come here my son and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, 
Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's riches, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples be, uh, bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Just think about that passage. As I thought about it, there were so, so many questions. It started with such a simple suggestion. Hey, Jacob. Yes, Mum. I heard your father tell Esau to go hunting, to kill some wild game to prepare a meal for him. Then he said he would give him the blessing. But if you're quick, you go and grab a couple of goats from your flock. I will cook it. And you can get in first and get the blessing. To be honest, there's a sense in which at this point that sort of proposal kind of sounds reasonable, in a way. After all, this would see the fulfilment of what God had promised, even while Rebecca was still pregnant. One people will be stronger, the older will serve the younger. And it does reflect the agreement made between the brothers when Esau had come in from the field so hungry and readily exchanged in verbal conversation, exchanged his birthright with Jacob. But that's not where the conversation stops. Well, Jacob is Rebecca's favourite son. They both knew that Isaac clearly favoured Jacob. Uh, Jacob favoured Esau. And so Jacob replies, I would appear to be tricking him and that would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. It wasn't just about our blessing, this is about the blessing. This is the double portion of all his father's possessions, the headship of the family, which rightly belonged to Esau. Jacob knew that his father wouldn't simply give the blessing that belonged to the first son or give it simply to the first son to turn up with a feed. This blessing, this birthright was an important thing and it belonged to Esau as the firstborn, as the eldest son and what's more, as the favourite son. And Jacob was concerned that if his dad thought he was trying to deceive him, then Isaac would more than likely declare a curse rather than a blessing. We would do well to pause here and reflect as we have twice this morning. Andy's had us do this and Mike's done the same. To pause and reflect on the power of the words we speak. This whole idea of blessings and curses in the context of the biblical narrative, things spoken, words spoken, had power, they had authority. Words, especially blessings and curses, were not just important. Words change realities. After all, when we started our journey through Genesis in Genesis 1, God would speak and it would be. God said, let there be, and it was. Words were powerful. 
and a blessing once given could not be taken back. We might speak of blessings and curses, but usually we don't see them in the same way that the biblical story presents them. In fact, sometimes when we hear people talking about blessings and curses, we kind of figure they're just a little bit superstitious. We tend to write them off as being superstitious people. Maybe we need to relearn just how powerful words are. How powerful our words are. Maybe we need to relearn to choose words much more carefully. The words that we speak to ourselves and the words that we speak to others. Proverbs 18 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Ponder on that. Write that down somewhere. Take it home. Reflect on that this week. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Or in James, we're told, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Every time you see a bushfire somewhere, remember this verse. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and the whole, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. That's challenging. And so Jacob is seriously concerned that his approach might be misunderstood. Of course, it seems that Jacob at this point in time hasn't quite registered that this is totally about tricking his father. His intention is kind of innocent in a degree. But Rebecca makes the intent very clear. She knew what would be needed. Don't you worry about the curse, my son. Let that fall on me. Boy, I wish she had thought about those words before she spoke them. You just go and get two goats and put on Esau's clothing and cover over your small, smooth skin with goat skin. This was so totally, at least in Rebecca's heart, a plan to deceive. And now Jacob is also in no doubt. In fact, as he presents the meal to his father, Isaac asks Jacob a very simple question. Who is it? Which son are you? Such a simple question. And Jacob's response was a very blatant lie. I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have told me. And then very quickly follows the second lie. When Isaac asked how he found the animal so quickly, he says, the Lord your God gave me success. Wow. Bringing God into your life. 
Isaac's still unsure. And so touching the goatskin on Jacob's hand, Isaac notes, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Then Isaac asks, are you really my son Esau? To which Jacob quickly replies, I am. And the third lie is so quickly told. Now we know this is not right. In fact, Jacob by this point clearly knows the path that they're on. He clearly knows that he is deceiving his father. Whereas moments earlier, the declaration had been, what if my father touches me, I might appear to be tricking him, he now knows that he is fully engaged in this deception. Three bold, barefaced lies. And in spite of the doubts and hesitancy, Isaac bestows the blessing on his son, his youngest son. There is prosperity. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. And then there is power. May the nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. And the blessing of protection. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. And so the story takes another step forward as God continues to work out his plans and his purposes. And so the lineage of promise passes from Abraham to Isaac and now to Jacob. And yet I'm still left with so, so many questions. I get it that the smell of Esau's clothes could have misled Isaac. But could Esau really be that hairy? I've seen goats. Could Esau really be that hairy that to touch, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, the goat, oh, and my son. It's like... And why when Isaac clearly heard the familiar sound of Jacob's voice, was he so ready to accept the lie? That it was Esau. I remember, young as these guys are through here, hearing this story and going, really? How could you misunderstand these things? How could you mistake the skin? How hairy was this guy? You know, I've seen some guys who've got lots of hair on them, a lot more than I've got, but a goat? And then the verse that we know so well came to mind. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And I find myself wondering, did God somehow assist with the deception so that when Isaac touched the goat, he's going, oh yeah, and God somehow confuses him? Again, so many unanswered questions. Do the ends justify the means? I don't think so. 
And I'm sitting there with this in the early part of this week saying, God, I don't know what I bring out of this passage. This is not an example to follow. This is not a command to obey. But I do know that God is able to redeem any situation, no matter how bad it could be. Remembering, as I've often said, that humanity took the Son of God and nailed him to a cross. They killed the author of life. And that became transformed from the greatest evil the world has ever known to God's greatest victory through which he achieves every victory throughout all eternity. His plans and purposes are fulfilled through the crucifixion. And I know that whatever my motivation, whatever my plan is, God's purposes will ultimately prevail. Now I don't believe, let me put this on record, I don't believe in any way, shape or form Rebecca and Jacob were in any way justified by their actions. However, through them God was able to work out his purposes. God in all his grace, might and power was and is able to redeem any and every situation. Don't get me wrong, as we will see in the weeks ahead, the choices that Jacob and Rebecca have made, they will have significant and painful and lasting consequences. But God is still at work. And so I pause to think about my own life and our lives. If we've messed up in the past, it doesn't matter how badly you've messed up. There's been that time in my life when I have messed up and I thought there is no way out of this. And there are consequences in the here and now. However, God is able to redeem your past, no matter how bad or how painful. No matter what you've done. And he can use it for his good, your good and his glory. And if right now you feel you're in the midst of a mess, whether you've chosen the circumstances or whether they've been thrust upon you, Like Jacob, maybe it started innocently enough and then things quickly went downhill and he found himself in so deep he couldn't back out. At least he thought he couldn't. God can and will redeem the situation if you give it to him. But give it to him now before the circumstances get any worse. And if you're doing what you know is right, and if you're giving it your best, but you're really unsure whether what you're doing is really right, whether you're actually doing the best, whether, you, whether you're quite good enough, you know, because there's a number of folk in this place, probably most of us, who have things that God has laid on our heart, and we're giving it a go, and we're really not sure we're up to it. Remember that if God can take this situation, with Jacob and Rebekah lying, deceiving Isaac, if he can take 
that and bring good out of it. If he can see his purposes fulfilled through that bigger mess up, then surely he can fix up our little inadequacies where we somehow come short of what's required in any circumstance. If God can work out his glorious plans and purposes through and often in spite of and sometimes even using the deceitful scheming of Rebecca and Jacob, then surely he can achieve his purposes through you and me. He is more than able. Just give him the opportunity. Just trust him. Don't wait until you feel capable, ready, able to hit the 100% mark. Give him what you have. Step out in obedience, knowing that he can bring the best out of the worst so he can do so much simply through your obedience. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from the chapel in Teatitu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz or email info at thechapel.org.nz.